Happy Easter, everyone. As I was trying to fall asleep last night, I thought uh, over and over again about this moment and about not saying Happy Tuesday. And so I'm glad that uh, Matt got that out of the way for us because, uh, you know, those are the kinds of things I think about when I'm trying to fall asleep before our service. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for joining us as we celebrate one of the most profound events of history, um, when the lavish grace of God was most profoundly realized in the resurrection of Christ. Um, the, that event that we celebrate today, uh, that mysterious and wondrous and mind-bending and controversial event, um, there's a lot that's been said about it, right? There's a lot that has happened between now and then, so much so that 2,000 years later, it's not uncommon, I think, for us to lose track of, of what we're talking about. Um, a question I hear a lot and one I often have myself is, what is the point of the resurrection? The big grandiose movement of, of death and sin being conquered is obvious, but why should the resurrection matter in my day-to-day -day life or how does it impact my life now? For a lot of us, it can seem like this is, this is great news that maybe has an impact later on down the road at the end of our lives, but what does it do for us now, today? And I think that's actually a difficult question to, to answer, especially if you want more than a surface level answer. Um, so starting tonight and for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at the stories that follow Jesus's resurrection uh, in the Gospels uh, to look at the implications of this mysterious and beautiful and confusing and reality-defining moment. Uh, tonight, uh, we've been in the Gospel of Matthew, but we're going to shift to John. We're going to be looking at John's story of the first moment surrounding the resurrection, uh, which will take us full circle back to the opening of John's Gospel and the very beginning of time all to show us that the resurrection is not about going backwards uh, or returning to the past, but instead resurrection is an invitation for us to take hold of a new future uh, for our lives and for our world. Now that might seem obvious to you. The resurrection is not about going backwards, but I think we as humans can fall prey to wanting to go backwards, especially the older we get. We can fall prey to wanting to get back to some idealized point in time um, in the past. You can probably relate. I'm sure uh, there's at least some time past in your life uh, that you conscious or not feel pressure to get back to or recreate or that's the standard that you judge the rest of your life by and you just want to get back to that level of health or comfortability or happiness, whatever it is. A time when God felt so close and when things felt secure and, and when things were good. That tendency is a powerful idea that often gets wrapped up in our religious and political thoughts. Regardless of how you feel about it, Make America Great Again is a powerful slogan because it taps into this very human tendency to want to get back to the good old days. But Jesus' resurrection invites us to reframe that tendency. It invites us to look back, not to recreate the past, but to boldly join God in forging a new future. So let's take a look at what I mean. This is John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the, disciple, the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen laying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still laying in its place, separate from the linen. 
Finally, the, the, uh, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. So let's, uh, let's talk about what we just read a little bit. Um, they, uh, Mary, it starts with Mary Magdalene going to the tomb before the sun has risen. It's, it's before dawn. Mary goes, finds the, t- the stone rolled away, realizes that Jesus isn't in there and assumes that someone has stolen his body. She goes to tell the other disciples and uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved, which we're pretty sure references John, the, the author of this gospel, and Peter race to the tomb. Uh, John really wants you to know that he got there first. He really needs you to know that Peter's slow and that he is fast. Um, and I imagine uh, John is writing this near the end of his life probably 30 years after Peter has already died. I think John is thinking fondly about his friend and kind of poking fun at him. Um, Though Peter would never see this, I think he was just having a fun time remembering and and poking fun at his friend who was slower than him. Um, They foot race to the tomb. Uh, They go inside. They see that the linens are there, but Jesus isn't there. They don't understand and they leave. Mary stays behind and she encounters angels, right? They ask her, which seems like a silly question. Why are you crying? They say, woman, why are you crying? To us today, hearing a man uh, (laughs) address a woman as woman sounds really confrontational and like jarring. This was not offensive then. This was almost a term of endearment to call someone woman. Um, It sounds abrasive to us. It wasn't abrasive then. Um, They ask her, woman, why are you crying? Which I don't know why they ask her this because they know. But she answers them, and she's very cool for having just seen two angels and talked with them. And then she turns around and finds a man who asks her again the same question. Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Mary repeats herself again to this man that she assumes to be the gardener. That seems like a weird detail to throw in there, right? But this assumption may not be as ridiculous or random as it initially seems to us. Um, This is the first clue that the author is giving us uh, in understanding what is happening here. Um, there are a few details in this narrative that point us back to the beginning of the book of John to try to tell us something. Um, So one of the first things that tips us off that we're supposed to be thinking about the very beginning of this book, back in John 1, the first words that Jesus says in the entire book come in a question to some of the followers of John the Baptist who start following Jesus around. And he asked them, what are you looking for? Here in the story that we just read in this new beginning, he asked Mary almost an identical question. Who are you looking for? 
I think perhaps the author wanted us to consider Jesus asking us the same question tonight. What or who are you looking for? Why are you here? What do you want? After asking this question at the beginning of the book, Jesus invites uh, John the Baptist's followers to come and see, come and see the truth. And in a similar way, Jesus calls Mary's name, inviting her to see the truth of this new beginning. I think maybe we're also being invited to see the new things that God is doing in, in our world and in our lives. Another detail that points us back uh, to the beginning of this story is when our story takes place. Uh, our story that I just read takes place while it's still dark, like I mentioned, before dawn. The other gospels, the other three gospels version of the story start at dawn. So the sun is already up, but John chooses to start while it's still dark. This makes sense for the writer who chooses to start the beginning of his book, not with Jesus's birth, but all the way back to the very original in the beginning. John, the, chapter one, verses one through two starts by saying, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And here in our text tonight, starting in the dark, John is taking us again all the way back to that moment of the very first moment of creation, to that moment of primordial darkness, when in Genesis it says, the earth was formless and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. John is taking us back to that moment of, of creation, the darkness just before the light, to suggest that this is a moment of new creation. And then driving this point home further, coming back to the original question that we talked about, the gardener, where are we in our story? We're in a garden. It sounds a lot like the creation story in Genesis. And suddenly, Mary assuming Jesus to be the gardener doesn't seem so random or so strange after all. It turns out she's more right than she even knows. Uh, Lucy Hogan, a professor at Wesley Seminary, said this, without knowing it, Mary has correctly identified Jesus as the gardener who is bringing a new world, a new life, and a new creation into being as he had done before. All things came into being through him and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. That's uh, the next three verses of the book of John. So in the first creation story, in a garden, Adam and Eve's eyes are opened to the, mo the moment that they disobey. And when they, they hear God call their name, they run and they hide in shame. In this new creation story, Mary, again in a garden, hears Jesus call her name and her eyes are opened again. But this time she embraces Jesus. In the first creation story, Adam and Eve are driven out of the garden in despair and in the new creation story, Mary is sent out of the garden rejoicing. Light has entered the world and the darkness did not overcome it. Mary is the first person to declare to us a new beginning that God has created for all of us. John creatively alludes back to the past, the beginning, the very beginning of time to show us that this, the resurrection is a new beginning. But as I said earlier, I think... So often religion can be about getting back to the past, right? Even in Jesus' time, the, the, the Jews were focused on getting back to the Garden of Eden or about restoring the kingdom of Israel to its previous dominance and prominence. Um, as followers repeatedly ask Jesus if he's going to do over and over and over again, is now the time when you're going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel? If you spent any time around churches today, you've probably heard uh, people talking about getting back to the early church or the first century church. 
Religion is often focused on getting back to that idealized moment in the past when everything was right. But Jesus' resurrection is not about getting back to the past. It's about pushing forward into a new future and new life. And I think we see this in something Jesus says to Mary. Right after she calls her, right after he calls her name and she finally recognizes him and she cries out Rabbani, uh, which means beloved teacher. It's easy to imagine Mary upon recognizing Jesus is so excited that she, she embraces him um, or it, we're not totally clear. She could be clinging to his feet. Um, and he says something really interesting and strange to her. He says, do not hold on to me. Now there have been uh, volumes written about why Jesus says this. Some people have suggested that's because he's still sore from his wounds, which seems odd to me, but we're also talking about someone coming back from the dead. So all options are on the table. Um, others have said it's because he's naked and it's not appropriate for Mary to be embracing him. Um, I think the text itself makes it clear what Jesus is saying. He's saying, don't cling on to me. I still have work to do and so do you. This isn't about us staying in this moment. Jesus isn't being cold or callous. Uh, we're not told how long they embrace before he says anything, but Jesus is inviting her forward into the future. I don't think it's a stretch to think that as Mary finally realizes that Jesus is standing there in front of her and she's hugging him, that she is thinking, now things can go back to the way they were. Now everything is going to be okay again. But it's not about getting back to how things used to be. It's about moving forward into this new future. Jesus is saying to her and to us, keep going, keep pushing forward, go continue bringing heaven to earth. Keep finding new and creative ways to incite love and reduce suffering and increase joy. Keep going forward. Jesus's resurrection is a new beginning for creation, pushing us into a new future. The point is not to go backwards, to try to get back to some golden age, either in history or in our lives, and it's tempting to want that, to get back to those moments in our lives when, when everything felt good. But trying to recreate those moments, I don't know if you've ever tried, it never actually works. It's always unfulfilling. It's always disappointing. Instead, we look to the past to be reminded and inspired to keep pushing forward. Jesus invites us to keep pushing forward into the beautiful new unknown. So what new unknown is God inviting you to push forward into or maybe continue pushing forward into? I think some of us need to hear tonight, don't go backwards. Stop trying to, to get back to some moment in time that you have idealized. And we all need to hear God call our name again and say to us, keep pushing forward. Resurrection is not a return to the past, but an invitation to the new future. There will be hard days ahead. There have been hard days in the past. There will be hard days ahead. Uh, I think uh, if you look at our culture, it will be increasingly difficult and rare for communities like this to exist. Uh, places built on common faith and resurrection and love for one another. Places not built on the polarized politicization of every single little thing. There will be times when we're tempted to want to live in the past time uh, when we want to get back to the good old days again. My prayer for us is that may we be people that remember resurrection and accept Jesus's invitation to join him in forging ahead with new life. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for 
the mystery and beauty of resurrection. God, thank you that you didn't leave us um, in our brokenness, but in love for us, you became one of us and died and then lived again so that we can do the same. God, I pray that we would be inspired and moved and driven to not go backwards, but to keep joining you in bringing heaven to earth. God, I pray that we'd be people that um, are looking for the ways that you are moving and acting today so that we can continue to join the work that you're already up to in the places that we live, in the places that we work, in places we go to school, and in this community. God, we love you. Amen.